Hey guys, Frank here with Tithely coming to you live with another episode of Modern Church Leader. Uh, super excited about today's guest. Uh, as always, I'm, I'm pretty excited to talk to, uh, to everyone we have on the show. Um, but today's going to be a, a ton of fun. I'm going to be joined by Dr. Warren Bird, and I've got notes on this one because uh, Dr. Bird has done amazing things in his life. Um, so he's the VP of research for EFCA.org. Uh, he's authored or co-authored 33 books. Um, he's been the research director at Leadership Network, a seminary professor, a church pastor, planted churches, and uh, you know leads a bunch of research projects at EFCA. So uh, without further ado, let me pop in Dr. Warren Bird. Hey, how's it going, Warren? Hey, great. I look forward to chatting together. I've listened to many of your uh, broadcasts and learned much from you and your guests. Oh, love it. Love it. Yeah, we, um, you know, on the show, it's fun. Most of the conversations are with people who kind of are in current ministry, serving at a church in some capacity. And uh, we kicked this show up like during at the beginning of the pandemic. So it's been fun just to talk to church leaders about what's going on in the trenches and how they're dealing with these things. And uh, as the pandemic has got more normal, I guess, <laughs> and we're just kind of living through it versus it being a big thing in March and all that. Uh, you know, we've branched out and talking about different things, but it's super fun talking to uh, folks like yourself and um, who are passionate about the church and serving and uh, doing it in all kinds of different ways. So, um, yeah, really excited. Excited to have you on. Uh, why don't you just for the audience tell folks, you know, what you do today and kind of your a little bit about your journey to this destination at EFCA. Boy, how long do you have? But the nickel. <laughs> You know, God does a wonderful work in each person and we can yes. look back and say, oh, you know, I see how this fit together and, and uh, he knew what was going on and how it all uh, was going to weave together. Yes. Uh, but the gist is, uh, at the moment, I am the uh, vice president of research and development for the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Okay. And what that means is this is a group of of a bunch of churches and uh, Christ-centered nonprofits that have said, you know, we're going to do integrity well. We're going to be above reproach. We're going to make sure Jesus doesn't get a black eye and that the focus is on Jesus's mission in whatever he's called each of our organizations to do. And so there's, there's a list of seven things that people agree to to become an ECFA member, okay. uh, churches and individuals. And my part is they want to know best practices like, Okay, uh, ECFA says we should have a board that, and a board that's at least five people, and that it's it's a the majority are not family members or um, employees, so that for salaries and stuff like that you can be uh, unbiased. Right. Well, what does a really good board look like? What are best practices? How does my board get better? So that was one of many research projects that we've mm -hmm. done. Yeah. How long has ECFA been in existence? 41 years. 41 years. And and do you, uh, how long have you been at the organization? I've been there two years. Now it started years. 40 years ago when basically there was a scandal and a bunch of senators said to Billy Graham and a bunch of other people, look, either you guys police yourselves or we will. Okay. And uh, that's how it all got started. I moved here from Leadership Network, where I was their research director, and uh, for 13 years, 
and before that a pastor for many years and seminary professor at the same time. And all along the way, I've had the privilege of uh, authoring or co-authoring books, uh, yeah. 30, 33 to date. 33 is a lot of books, okay? <laughs> like that is, uh, that's an amazing feat all by itself. Well, it's, it's it, you know, it's back to the spiritual journey. I could say each one of those were was something that God wanted me to learn and grow in personally. Mm -hmm. uh, through that book. The latest is uh, uh, Better Together on how to do church mergers well, expanded and updated edition, which sadly with the pandemic, it's kind of like with the medical condition, those who, you know, encounter the virus with a pre-existing condition or more are more vulnerable. Right. Uh, likewise, those churches going into the pandemic that were financially vulnerable on the line and all. Um, sadly, many of them, as the pandemic lifts, are going to say, you know, we don't want to close our doors. Um, what are other alternatives right. uh, where where all the good stuff that's happened in our heritage can have a fresh start and merging, healthy merging is another option. I mean, that's a whole nother show to talk about church mergers because I find it fascinating uh, in general, but let's, uh, we'll, we'll leave that one there because I feel like we could talk for a long time. Um, so in your current role, I mean, I even have questions about going from ministry into these kind of, you know, this kind of job and things like that. Um, but in your role, you guys just released a new report and that's kind of what kicked off doing this show. So optimism yet again, financial hope grows despite the pandemic. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the report, um, why you did it, uh, and kind of the purpose behind it? So as the pandemic hit, we thought, you know, let's kind of track how churches and Christ-centered nonprofits are weathering the pandemic. And so every three months, let's ask sort of the same questions. And we can see what the impact is okay. uh, as time goes on. And one cluster of the questions in the survey is what's your outlook towards finances to your ministry or church in the next three months? Three mm -hmm. options. Are you optimistic? Are you uncertain? Or are you pessimistic? Right. And, um, Interestingly, we had entered 2020. Do you remember back in January 2020? It seems like years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but we we had done a survey in essence saying, hey, how did 2019 end for you? Right. And, uh, you know, how are you feeling about what God may do through your finances in 2020? And in January, um, everybody said, wow, we had a much better year in 2019. So we we kind of titled that report. We threw the word optimism in. And then when the yeah. pandemic hit, we asked the optimism question, the first round of the survey. And we were really surprised at how how many more people said optimistic than uncertain. And I had predicted that in asking the question, you know, early on in the pandemic, that more people would say, I don't know. I'm uncertain. I don't know what's going to happen. Right. But, but optimism had. So then three months later, which would have been last month, we asked the question again, again, got 1500 plus uh, responses and optimism was a little bit higher. Now we broke it down by, okay, like schools, uh, educational right. uh, 
uh, seminaries and, and universities and all, they had a low end of optimism and stuff like uh, prison ministry and homeless ministry uh, were, were doing much better and were much more optimistic. So mm. we, we charted it out and sliced and diced and, and that's what we found. That was one of the questions. There were actually several questions that we asked and uh, with some interesting findings. And see, we all want to know kind of like, okay, is what I'm experiencing typical right. of churches or ministries that are about my size or about my, you know, whatever circumstance to say, yeah. you know, people like me, how are they doing? And that's how, I mean, in some ways, uh, that's why we started doing this interview show right at the beginning of, you know, COVID hitting. Cause I was like, let's just talk to, to pastors about what they're going through and let's do it in a, you know, a live environment and let other pastors come in and join. And, you know, we've interviewed churches of all shapes and sizes from all over the country. Um, and it's just good to kind of like, I think similar to the report, you know, pastors want to know what, what am I going through and what are other people going through and just have that connection, um, and, and learn from others. So, well, as for example, when the pandemic hit, virtually every church's finances took an immediate nosedive right, those first right. couple of weeks. And, uh, and, and they're like, Oh no, if this is what's going to happen. And, and unfortunately, or fortunately, somebody took a survey at that very moment right. <laughs> and it was like, Oh no, look what's happening all over the nation. Well, for most churches that that's, that was end of March in the first week of April. Mm -hmm. Then as April went along, you know, people, figured out a rhythm. Oh yeah, we should be giving to our church and you know, yeah. all this. And so finances considerably picked back up for churches uh, yeah. in April. And so people in church leadership were looking around saying, well, are we unusual in it? You know, like what's happening right now? I don't understand what <laughs> this I, thing is doing. Am I all alone in that? You know, we took the nosedive and then it, it uh, started picking back up considerably right. and we were able to tell people, okay, here's what, happening across the country right right yeah we've you know we obviously serve a lot of churches and we can look at the aggregate kind of data but even just anecdotally like talking to pastors over the course of this thing you know you even hear that same thing so giving dipped a little and then it kind of went up and then as the months have gone on it seems like it's kind of slowly coming down like they hit, they hit like record highs in, in some cases right and then it kind of came down and and you kind of tend to hear oh you know we're down maybe five percent to budget for the year or things like that where it's maybe they're down a little but it's not as much as you might have expected um and you know maybe they're they've they were renting facilities so they're saving some money there or they were you know cut this program or that program, but by and large, they're, they're kind of able to work through it. So um, we've heard that and, story. And that's exactly what I'm hearing a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, the net year to date is on average, slightly down for churches mm -hmm. and, but they had, you know, rebudgeted and adjusted some things so that, um, they're okay financially right now. Now everybody right. hurts and that, Ooh, this initiative uh, we're not able to do. Uh, and, but, but generally those churches that have had specialty, you know, kind of COVID relief funds, Hey, we want to do this for yeah. our community, serve our community. This fund is going solely for that outreach. Those have really gotten filled and churches right. have gone gangbusters. 
in those directions, which is yeah. wonderful. Yeah, 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 very cool. Um, what What are some of the interesting findings from the report? Um, that asked, you know, I'm sure you've talked about it a ton. You've poured over the data, had these conversations with lots of churches. Um, what are some of the other interesting things you picked out? To me, the biggest surprise, we ask, how far into the future do you think the negative financial impact of the pandemic will affect your um, church or ministry? Right. And I thought, you know, it's always good to write a question with a theory and then you want to kind of test the theory. So right, I right. thought for sure people on that one would say more than a year. So we gave them like, you know, six month increments uh, out for quite a ways. And we actually said, oh, and, you know, maybe you don't think there's any impact right now. I mean, that you you finished having the negative impact. Mm -hmm. Well, to my surprise, um, more than three quarters of people, and you see me looking down on occasion, I'm looking at the uh, PDF of the report. I got my notes over here okay. too. <laughs> uh, to my surprise, people said within a year, the negative financial impact um, on our ministry uh, will be finished. Now, maybe that's that optimism theme again. And, and of those who said that, like a third said, actually, I think it's pretty much all done now. Uh, right. that, that, uh, the negative financial impacts and, uh, either I I'm sure it's, I don't want to say either, or I've heard enough stories of God doing amazing things. Mm -hmm. uh, the church I visited recently, I, you know, I have always asked, had lunch with the pastor afterwards and said, so, you know, how are the finances doing? And he said, well, you know, we took this big step at the beginning of the year and, and having this big, uh, we increased the budget because we wanted to do a certain outreach and missionary right. thing. And uh, then when the pandemic hit, we thought, oh, you know, what should we do? And about that time, the local municipality was chewing up our street to put in a new gas line. And the company that they subhired came to us and said, hey, you got this big parking lot. You know, you probably not use it on Sundays. Can we pay you to park all our vehicles here while we work on the street? And the, the pastor's like, okay, thank yeah. you, Lord. You're honoring our faith and we're going forward. And I've heard a lot right. of stories like that. Now, I don't want to minimize those who say, but I don't have that story. We're right. still hurting there. Um, there are a lot of people hurting as well. But but I don't want to take the supernatural provision, provision out of the equation of how many churches are saying, no, actually, you know, we are still... Um, going forward and and right. still focused outward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, it's. Uh, I mean, I'm with you. It's. It's certainly no report or, or study like this, but just talking to churches, talking to pastors, and hearing lots of stories of of amazing things of you know what God's doing and their faithfulness. Part of me thinks even in reading through the report, you know, I'm, I'm scanning through it and kind of looking at some of the charts and things like that. I'm like, I wonder if the optimism is just because pastors and church leaders are faithful right their 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 natural outlook on life is one of positivity right they're faithful people they believe god's going to come through and so yeah pastors should be optimistic about stuff like this like what what are your well, thoughts well yes i totally agree with you but i'm also part of different uh i, I look at research across the whole nonprofit world mm -hmm. and and what they call religion which is one of 
generally about 10 sectors. You know, there's the arts and there's there's education and so right. forth. Yeah. Uh, medical. Um, religion doesn't have that much swing. You know, you think about uh, the the person on Wall, Wall Street, you know, who, who gets this big bonus at the end of the year and gives it to um, the symphony or whatever. Right. And, you know, groups like that have way ups and downs and they are, are strongly affected by um, the stock market twist and turns. But churches have the privilege of every week being in front of their people and right. every week uh, recasting vision for, for God being active and putting him first in our finances. Mm -hmm. And so historically, um, faith groups uh, don't have these wild gyrations. Right, right. And, uh, and so I think that's one of the pieces that helps build a sense of optimism. Yeah. Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. Um, I my my former life uh, was at a, a pretty large tech company that served nonprofits, and they did annual reports on giving and all this kind of stuff. And I, I remember, uh, and even you know, I still look at them today. But the research and on like faith based giving uh, or religious giving was always pretty consistent um, compared to other sectors. Um, so that that's interesting. There was one part in the report uh, you asked a question around how did cash giving perform? Yeah, and. Yes, Go ahead. Yeah. Tell, no, tell well, me, tell me what you saw. Tell me. What well, you know, and you've spent obviously time really thinking, but you know, you, you know, it pointed out, you know, 66, so 60 to 66%, um, you know, saw cash giving be the same or higher. Right. Which is amazing. But then in my head I go, but that's 35 to 40% that are experiencing some kind of decline. And, in America, that's call it a hundred thousand or so churches, right? Uh, give or take, right? That's not an exact number, but it's a, a good number of churches that are, you know, kind of on the I don't know neutral to decline side of cash giving. Like, what what what's your thoughts on that, or how did you unpack that that stat a little bit? So, sensational headlines that grab the news. You know, you can say one in ten donors, you know, are not going to give anymore right. because of the right. pandemic. Right. Or you could say, now, wait a minute. The same research found that nine out of 10 donors are planning to give at their current levels. I just made yeah. up that particular. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But, but you know, you can, you can, you can grab the headlines with the more dramatic and, and I don't ever want to underestimate the pain of that smaller group that says, yeah, but we're not experiencing optimism or uh, a positive year to year. Um, but but those numbers, by the way, uh, so we, we ask three months ago when we did the, actually four months ago when we did the first survey, we said, well, how was April to April, April 2020 to, to April 2019? And then we asked three months later, how was July? 2020 to July 2019. Right. And the number you're referring to is those who said it was the same or better. Now, anticipating that, I mean, we are in a pandemic, yeah. that people, you, we'd have a certain percentage of people who, who would say, you're not good for me. Right. I, I didn't just say, okay, it was worse. I gave them levels. It was, you know, up to 20% worse or 20 yeah. to 40% worse or more than 40% worse. And of those who said, no, it wasn't the same or better, it was down, 
the vast majority were in the first um, decline slice of the zero to 20%. And, right. you know, probably I should have narrowed that further so I could it's, say, no, it's, it's in the zero to 10%. Right. Like zero to five, zero. It's because, because I think that's, you know, a little bit in line with what we were saying at the beginning around like churches saw kind of a spot, a little dip and a spike, and then it kind of has slowly come down. So they're a little under budget, but they're able to offset that in various ways and, and be okay. Um, so, you know, churches declining a little bit isn't, it's not bad news necessarily. Right. So, and it's probably not, um, like you said, it's probably closer into that 5%, five or 10% versus bigger numbers. Um, yeah. so. now, but let's also look at the, at the giving issue. You know, every church tried immediately to pivot to online giving such as tithely, you know, and, and I know, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you've done a boom uh, business of new people saying, yep, yep. Yeah. It is time to move to online uh, as have the other uh, yep. online people. But, but that is focused on regular attenders. Mm -hmm. So, so now the big question that churches are having in the pandemic, you know, first, first you had everybody moved their services to online and there was at first this wow factor of, Oh, you know, look at all the people coming online. And then people started to realize, Oh, wait a minute, Facebook live, you know, counts you if you're, uh, if you're linger on the page three minutes, so I'm three seconds. So I'm scrolling down and I pause to scratch my ear and then I keep scrolling. Oh, I got counted as a viewer. Right, no, right. no, I'm not an attender of your church. I was just scrolling down. Um, so, so the vanity metrics, uh, have in some ways been misleading, but whatever scale you look at the metrics, they have been going down since March, uh, mm -hmm. the amount of people or April, I guess, really, um, the amount of people going online, which raises the question, how are we reaching new people? Okay. The first start is, you know, to invite them to, for those churches that aren't regathered, you know, to watch online. But then right. how do we help new people take that next step of faith in discipleship, which may be, you know, whether I, I'm receiving Christ today or I, I'm joining the chat and just um, uh, participating that way. Or for some, uh, yeah, I'd like to give some money, you know, right. and, and the question is, how are churches doing in bringing new people in uh, into the family, including uh, a financial gift? And I, I ongoing, of course, as you know, recurring uh, gifts are the key to the consistency uh, for uh, a church's online giving right. uh, initiative. And, and, and I think a lot of people are going to, a lot of churches and church leaders are increasingly, as the pandemic continues, going to struggle with how do we take these people who we've connected with by the internet and connect them for spiritual growth in every right. way, which may include giving. Right. Like joining a small group or, you know, a prayer meeting or giving for the first time or any of that kind of stuff gets different in the online world uh, and how you get into a small group. Uh, you know, just all this stuff is like new and different and every church is trying to figure out how to do it well. Um, and lots of churches are trying to figure out just how to get back to meeting in person, too, because <laughs> they're like, we're ready. It's time to just be back in the building. Um, 
And absolutely, but there will for a long time, if not indefinitely, the online piece, it's it's going to be a church with two front doors right. uh, for some time going forward, if not yeah. uh, unendingly going I, forward. I mean, I hope, again, like as we've talked to churches, I hope this moment in time, however long it lasts, uh, you know, it, it prayerfully isn't going to be for years and years, but however long it lasts, I hope it teaches churches of all shapes and sizes, right? Whether you're a 50-person church, uh, on the corner in uh, like Texas or you're a big mega church in Texas or California or something like that, like that every church learns how to do like digital ministry, online church better, you know, and they come out of this going, okay, I can do church online and I can stream my service onto YouTube or Facebook. And I know how to do a, you know, online small group and all that kind of stuff. Like I hope churches learn this skill uh, just by nature of having to go through it. Um, Together. And I hope they learn an even better skill of not just rebroadcasting what's happening yeah. there in the sanctuary, yeah. but but figuring out a digital delivery that that suits that audience, just like they figured out how the in-person delivery matches that audience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a again, that's a whole nother show. Like, have you talked to any churches somewhat related to the report and all of this, but more so around talking about giving as we're going through a pandemic. So like naturally there's gonna be people that are going through hard times and financially they're impacted, they can't give, um, but there are other people that maybe aren't impacted as much and they still can give. But I think I've heard at times, you know, pastors are a little bit afraid to talk about giving because of the impact it's having on people. So they maybe shy back a little bit um, or they don't talk about it as often. Like, have you had any of those kind of conversations? And and what would you advise a church uh, during this time to do when it comes to like taking up the offering on on the weekend? I suspect that those that were gun shy about doing a bold, faith filled ask in person before pandemic uh, are largely the same ones who mm. are hesitant about how to do it online. Got it. Um, one way uh, to approach it is just to say, hey, this is the time when we give back to God financially. Just do whatever he tells you to do. And uh, let me pray that God would lead you clearly. If that's nothing today, we understand. And if that's you, you've been had abundance and uh, can bless others who are hurting right now, Listen to God about that right. too. Let's pray. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so to try to take pressure off, or I've heard other churches that uh, um, give their standard um, worshiping God by tithes and offerings, right. and then they have kind of a caveat to say, now, now some of you are really hurting, and and this is not about guilt. Uh, if you cannot, you cannot. Uh, but, you know, God loves the cheerful giver. And this is all about us uh, giving with uh, pure hearts to him today or, or something that that helps those that that are feeling un inappropriately pressured because of their right. own financial circumstances. Yeah. To be able to navigate it. But yeah, it, I think, it, like recognizing it. Right. Just kind of recognizing it, but not be afraid to talk about giving still because uh, there's still going to be plenty of people that can. Yeah. 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 What about, um, again, this is back to the report, reading through it. 
one of the signals uh, that you called out was churches that were growing prior to the pandemic seem to be more optimistic in general. And not like, not that the, the others weren't optimistic, but there was like a correlation to like a growing church and their optimism versus a declining church and their level of optimism. Like what, what yeah. were your thoughts on that? That was the biggest spread that we found in the survey. Mm -hmm. Namely, we asked, you know, prior to the pandemic, your finances for the last three years, you know, were they growing, holding even or declining? And then I um, correlated that responses to that question to how everybody, how people answered the rest of the questions. Right, right. And that was the biggest differentiator uh, in that um, kind of analogy to uh, the pandemic itself in that, uh, you know, they, they say, okay, those of you with pre-existing physical conditions, you have, you know, a weak, a lung issue or whatever, you know, you're more susceptible to the virus. Right. And as I said earlier, um, those are the ones that are more susceptible to, to struggling, but it also related to their level of optimism predictably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it kind of made sense. I'm like, oh, well, they're growing. And so they're going to feel good uh, versus not. Uh, I just, you know, it's always fun to hear your thoughts as you've thought about it a lot and uh, probably talked to people about it as well. Um, the other one that I thought was interesting, but also kind of just made sense was uh, churches seem to be very optimistic, but also very pragmatic. So there, you know, there was optimism and maybe giving is done okay, or it's down a little bit, um, but they're cutting things and mostly in the form of like, it might be facilities, it might be programs and services that are less essential, things like that, but they're cutting those things to stay within budget. Um, what did you learn there or have you heard from churches about, around what kind of common things they're they're cutting to get through this time? Frank, I'm really impressed. You flipped through this report. Yeah, oh, I did. I'm like, yeah, he got it. Okay, so um, churches in general, about half of their budget goes to staffing cost, yeah. uh, salaries, uh, um, benefits. You didn't know, think like they were cutting, right? Everybody from and, and right. So, so the first fork in the road is: do we cut the staff, right? And if so, how? Or do we cut the other expenses? And it seems that the vast the vast majority trimmed in the area of other expenses. Um, and that was insightful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I wonder what that, like for, for my church, right. We rent, uh, middle schools or high schools, uh, and we have five locations, but that's an easy expense cause we can't even meet there. So it was cut just by way of not being able to meet there. And that, you know, I don't know exactly, but that probably made, made a massive difference in terms of still hitting budget, everything being kind of all good, even though giving maybe down a little bit. True. Um, but remember, virtually everybody also had new expenses because of the pandemic. Okay. True. We're going to have all our workers uh, work out of home, you know, okay. We're right. going to give you certain work tools to do so. And we all need to buy a subscription to a different online conference. Right. Zoom. Clearly everyone just got <laughs> Zoom and, you know, Zoom cleaned yeah. up. <laughs> see, see, those who had real insight would have bought stock in Clorox and Zoom and things, and they could just tie the way and say, That's right. Oh. That's right. Uh, so, let, I mean, maybe kind of wrapping up a little bit here. 
uh, and this is not pandemic related, but pandemic as mentioned earlier has accelerated this idea of online giving, mobile giving. It, I mean, churches that maybe didn't want to do that or were afraid of it or just didn't really think it was a good idea were forced into doing it, right? It's like you, it became essential for every church uh, on the planet. Um, what are your thoughts around online giving and how churches should be using it these days? Well, it did and it didn't. Um, there, you know, I heard of the churches and these would typically be more rural churches with older congregations, older people in the congregation right, right. and, and uh, smaller churches. But, you know, there was one that, you know, you, when you bring your offering to the church office, honk real honk twice. And that means, you know, two people will come out, you know, with the offering basket right. and, and, uh, you know, will receive you. That's bless, amazing. Yes. Pray, pray, pray a blessing over you. And, you know, because of the two person accountability, and then we'll go back in the office and put it in the safe. So, so in, and, and, and then those that mailed in checks. Totally. Like mailing um, them into the church office. Definitely have heard. Oh, okay. And church offices have picked up, hey, we should probably, you know, as soon as someone gives, you know, give them a, a stamped envelope, you know, pre-addressed envelope for the next time they're going to do this. So, so all methods of giving have uh, had creative touches and have ramped up. That said, by far more people have gone online and said, okay, we need to do this. Right. And, and the biggest challenge in online giving is to help people move to a consistency of doing so. Right, there, right. There's there's one more small piece, and you may comment on this from Tidley. I honestly don't know. There There is a certain percentage of people or churches that are hesitant because they're like, well, I don't want the fee to go, you know, to the credit card company. Right. Now, yeah. I understand that, that the net giving by giving online always way overcompensates more than pays for whatever fee it is. But mm -hmm. but I think most online giving companies have the option of, oh no, you can give directly from your bank account yeah. um, to online, to your church, and thus you're not giving any fee to the, to the credit card company. Yeah, giving from, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but certainly it's very common that uh, a digital giving, mobile giving kind of provider would let you give via ACH or from your bank account, as well as from credit or debit card. Uh, and we also have a cool little feature where if someone's giving, whether they're using, you know, bank account or credit debit, they can hit the cover the fees button. So the person giving can choose like, oh, I know, I understand you pay for a service. When I go to the restaurant, the restaurant's paying for me to be able to use my card. They understand it happens in church. Not everybody, but some will. And they, they, there's just a little checkbox like, oh, cover the fees so that their gift goes up a little bit, helps offset the fees for the church and the church still getting the same kind of end result of people's giving. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's become increasingly, even through COVID, percentage of people giving online to their church has gone way up and percentage of people that are covering the fees when they give has also gone way up. So, you know, we see 40, 50% of people will cover the fees when they give. That is awesome. And yeah. the other thing you probably see that's fascinating, I've read enough studies of the online giving world to know that the when people give uh, is just all over the map. It's oh, not yeah. like, uh, yeah. okay, we're sitting down, we're gonna, you know, watch the service online and we're gonna give our, giving, you know, at that point. No, it's just, you know, all throughout the week. Uh, and that's, 
that gives people more options and flexibility yeah. and ultimately is a good thing so that uh, whoever's praying there in the service can say, and Lord, you know, as we receive the gifts and for those who have already given online. Right. Who gave we, on Tuesday when they were managing their finances or yeah. when they got paid like first and 15th, right? People, people like to kind of manage their money according to how they get paid very commonly. So giving them the ability to give around their pay periods automatically via recurring is a, is a big benefit to churches as well. And that's, yeah. you know, Paul's idea in first Corinthians about first fruits, you know, yeah. when, the, when the harvest comes in for us today, it's a paycheck, you right. know, give the first piece to God. Yeah. And, uh, there, there can be joy in that. hundred um, percent. Well, Dr. Bird, this was awesome. I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, super fun to just talk about the report. Where can people go to download the report? ECFA, as in Evangelical Council yes. for Financial Accountability, dot church okay. slash surveys. Now, you said earlier ECFA.org and the same thing, ECFA.org slash surveys, plural. And you will get all of our latest reports. And if you're interested, you know, we have a church board report. What makes a church board effective? They're all free downloads. I'm having the time of my life. Um, by the time people listen to this, uh, a major five-year megachurch survey uh, released in uh, the report will be released in late October. Also at ecfa.church slash surveys. So uh, surveys plural on both of those? On both of those, yeah. I'm going to put it in the chat so that people can... So a wealth of my big discovery working for ECFA was all this knowledge stuff, not just in the research division, which right. I now oversee, but you know, how do you spot for fraud in your church or ministry? Well, there's a free little pamphlet. You know, how do you, how do you figure out, do I have enough cash reserves? And if I don't, what are the three best ways to build my cash reserves for my church or organization? Yeah. Amazing free, free booklet for that. So there's there's just gobs of stuff there to help you do integrity well, so that uh, Jesus is honored and the focus is on Him and uh, not on trouble that people have gotten into. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Well, I just posted it in the chat so people can go grab it. Um, super fun talking to you. We could talk about there's all these topics even in this. So I think when you do the next round of this report, because you're doing it every or every quarter, three months, yeah we should get back on and just talk again and just see how it's going. Is it, is anything changing what we're learning? Um, Cause I think people find it really useful. Um, so appreciate your time and uh, we'll, we'll do another one. All right. You're doing a great job, Frank. Thanks yeah. So thank you. Hey guys, if anyone's watching live right now, or for those that are watching live, uh, make sure to show Dr. Bird some love, uh, give the show a like, go over to ecfa.church slash surveys and download the report. And uh, we will catch you guys next week. Thanks, everybody.